0: Turn with me to John chapter number six. John chapter number six, and I'm going to begin reading with verse number sixty five. John six and sixty five. And he said, therefore, and he said, therefore, said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it was given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe. And are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Draw your attention back to verse number 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? I want to ask you that question this morning. Will you also go away? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence today. I thank you today, God, for being an unchanging God. I thank you, God, that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens in the world around us, you are a constant. You never change. You declared in your word that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you, God, for that. I, I've been thankful for that. But I will say that in this season, I am I am more thankful than that, for that than I've ever been before. I'm thankful that no matter what tomorrow holds, the one thing I can count on is you are an unchanging God. Thank you, Father. God, I believe that you have already ministered this morning. I believe your spirit is already working, but I pray that you would continue that ministry now through your word. Speak to us today. Let your spirit minister to us through your word today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Jesus interacted with a variety of people, a variety of groups. One of those groups that we can find fairly commonly throughout the Gospels is the multitude. There are several times in which Jesus ministered to the multitude. We know of two times where Jesus fed from just a couple of uh, pieces of bread, a couple of fish. He fed multitudes. One of those occasions, the Bible says there was 5,000 men, and we can assume that there was women and children, and so chances are he fed possibly ten to 20,000 people. I've heard it guesstimated as high as 20,000 people there. But it, let's just, we can stick with that bottom number, which is pretty amazing, to take five loaves and two fishes, the scripture says two small fishes, and feed 5,000 people, not only feed them, but gather up leftovers when they are done. And and there were other times in which we know that Jesus spoke to a multitude. There were some other settings in which it it wasn't a multitude, but it was it was still, I think, one of the things that characterized those in the multitude was curiosity. They they heard about Jesus. They had heard about what he had done. Maybe they had been told some of the things that he taught. And so out of curiosity, they came to hear. I, I would imagine that there was probably some people in the multitude that that showed up pretty faithfully to hear what Jesus had to say. But again, they were they were categorized as the multitude. There were some smaller settings. One of those settings that comes to mind is is the time in which Jesus was in the house that was filled with people and men came, four guys came with a crippled friend and and they ended up tearing a part of the roof off to let that friend down and into the house. But I think that, that may not have been a multitude, but... But I have a feeling there was probably a high percentage of that group that was characterized by the fact they were there out of curiosity. And and maybe not just curiosity. I would suspect that both the multitude and those that were in that smaller setting, not only out of curiosity, but out of the possibility. Maybe I'll be one of the ones that gets a miracle today. I, I've heard that he opens blind eyes. I hope i 've heard that he that he that he unstops deaf ears i 've heard of other miracles, and I need something, so forgive me for saying it this way, but maybe i 'll be one of the lucky ones today and then and then there were there were those like Nicodemus who was not in the multitude, but initially it it really was kind of curiosity that brought him to jesus and then Throughout the book of John, we can see the progression that took place in Nicodemus' life to the point where he became a dedicated, committed follower of Jesus. And then really kind of the core group of of those that Jesus interacted with was the disciples. More often than not, when we talk about the disciples during the time of Jesus' ministry, we are, we are thinking of the, the twelve apostles, those that were in that sort of inner circle of disciples, those twelve men that Jesus handpicked and invested the majority of his time into. But I want you to notice, I preached it a couple of weeks ago, uh, that after Jesus' death, it talked about some of the disciples that were on the road to Emmaus because besides the 12 apostles that again we often think of when we think of disciples there were there were many disciples and a disciple was much different than somebody in the multitude. A, a disciple was no longer a curiosity seeker. A disciple was no, no longer someone who showed up where Jesus was to hear what he had to say. And again, maybe they would end up being one of the ones that he did a miracle for that day. A disciple was someone who had made a decision. They, they had made a choice that I am now going to follow him. Not just going to show up when there's a crowd because he's going to say something I might want to hear. He's going to do something that I may want to see. They have now made a decision. I am following him. And so I, I want you to notice in verse 66, it is, it is that group that is referenced. This was not the multitude because when the multitude came and listened and watched what he did when it was all done because they had simply come out of curiosity, they went back to their lives. They they went back to doing what they did the way they wanted to do it. They, they went back to their own lives until perhaps the next time they heard there was a multitude gathering and they decided to join in that crowd. But they went their own way, but not disciples. Not disciples. Disciples followed him. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure at times they went home and rested, and 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 but but their life revolved around Jesus. Their life revolved around knowing him, following him. They, they were probably there every time he spoke to a group of people. Somehow they made sure they were there to hear what he had to say because they had become committed to. To following him. And so I want you to notice that in this passage, it's not the multitude that he gets done teaching. And the multitude begins to scatter. And as the multitude scatters, he turns to the disciples. More than likely those twelve that we think of. And says to them. Are you going to go also? It it wasn't the multitude. It wasn't just the crowd of the curious that were walking away that Jesus asks this question of his disciples. From that time, many of his disciples, many of his disciples the implication of that is not only were they developing a relationship with Jesus, but Jesus was developing a relationship with them. We we know that Jesus loved and loves everybody, but, but, but there's something about being in a relationship with him. There's something about walking with him. An old song says just to walk with him. Just to walk with him means everything to me. I don't know how long this group of disciples that were walking away had been disciples. I don't know if it was just a matter of days or maybe it had been months for some of them and perhaps a few of them. It had been a couple of years at this point. But he says as disciples as disciples walk away you, you you don't walk through the mall and break down crying over every person that you pass that is leaving you don't know them you don't have a connection you don't have a an attachment but i i i've had a few times throughout my life where i was i was leaving for a trip and 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 various sometimes a couple of them when i was going overseas by myself and 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 standing in the in the doorway uh telling my family goodbye they're crying i'm crying because there's a connection there's an attachment there it's not like a stranger that you pass on the street. You may wave to them, but you may never see them again. It's, it's not like the neighbors in my neighborhood where as we drive in and out of the neighborhood throughout the day, oftentimes there's people walking or biking and you wave and they wave to you. I, I don't drive away and tear up because I just had to tell them goodbye. These people were connected. Again, they, they were connected enough that they were, they were acknowledged as disciples. They didn't just show up one day. They didn't didn't just show up today. He wasn't talking to people who had just shown up for this day. He's talking to people that he's talking about people who had been with him. Many disciples went back and walked no more with him. There have been a few times now in the last couple of years where there's there's some passages of Scripture where I have always kind of read them with a certain tone to the verse. My, My tone, my understanding of what was being said, I... I think one example is that of, of Thomas when Jesus showed up to Thomas and, and I think the statement that Jesus said after his interaction with Thomas, you know, blessed are those that believe without seeing. We can, there, there's several different tones you can put on that. Yeah, one is kind of harsh and one is a bit critical of Thomas, but there's some other ways you could say those same words and they're not They're not harsh. They're not critical or a judge. They're just an observation. And I I have to tell you that up until a day or two ago, this next verse has been one of those verses. That all my life, not saying anybody else, not blaming anybody else, all my life... And, and I've, I've, some of you have heard me use this next verse a number of times in, in preaching, not necessarily the whole point of the message, but it comes up in the course of preaching. And, and, and I have to say that most of the time, uh, not most of the time, I've always kind of thought of this next verse. And, and, and here's basically for me the way it's always kind of been that verse 65 or excuse me, 66, many of the disciples are walking away, they're going away, not going to follow him anymore. And, and Jesus says to the twelve, and, and I guess I've always kind of imagined that Jesus turned to the twelve with a bit of, a, with a bit of disgust in his voice, with a, with a bit of uh, maybe, maybe judgment in his voice. Or frustration, or a combination of. And I've I just, I guess I've always, when I've read this verse in my mind, I've kind of heard it that he just kind of looked at him and, well, are you going to go too? These disciples are leaving me. Are you going to go also? But I, I have to tell you, in the last couple of days, as the Lord has brought this passage to mine is the direction I felt for this morning. I think that may not be the inflection, the tone that Jesus was using. I think there's a chance that when he said to those disciples, are you going to go also? I, I don't think it was with agitation and irritation because again they were disciples they weren't just the multitude and we know we know i i I, i'm going to reference it in a moment i don't have the specific passages to read but there, there are several times in the gospels where it tells us that jesus was moved with compassion for the multitude so even with the multitude, there was there was love and compassion for the multitude. But but again, this, this wasn't the multitude. These are people that Jesus had been in a relationship with. There had been personal connection with. There there had been intimate fellowship. And so, as many of those disciples begin to walk away, I, I now have come to the belief that Jesus did not turn to the twelve with disgust. But I think Jesus turned to the twelve with a bit of heartache and sorrow, and, and actually perhaps it was a bit of a, uh, 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 a question that maybe he didn't really want the answer to, and I, I know he was God in the flesh and all that, but I think perhaps he turned to them with some feelings of sorrow with some, I don't know, maybe I don't want to get in a big theological debate with somebody on this point, but maybe maybe some worry. I don't know. He was human. And so I wonder, I wonder maybe, just work with me for a moment. Maybe, maybe he's sitting on a, I don't know, some rocks, some boulders, and he's finished teaching, and this crowd is disbanding, and disciples, disciples aren't just leaving to go back home because service is over. They're leaving now because I just don't think I can do this anymore. I just don't think I can stay committed to this anymore. I. I just don't know that I can deal with what he's saying. I, I don't know that I can handle these hard sayings. So I'm, I was okay with this for a while, but I, I think I'm done now. And so as they begin to walk away, I, I think I, I'm trying to get the right word. I can't, it, it's not coming, but I now sort of imagine Jesus with a, with a bit of, sorrow and compassion not looking at them and saying, Well, you guys going to with sort of implying you expect it. I mean, they're leaving. I guess you're gonna leave too, right? I I think it was more so I really hope I really hope the response to this is negative are you, are you guys gonna leave me also they're they're all leaving they're they're done they're not willing to keep following me they're they're not willing to continue to be a disciple they they've gotten what they've wanted they it as long as it was convenient as long as it was easy I preached this morning partly motivated by a burden that hopefully some of you are still watching but you're on the verge if this crisis goes much longer when the doors do open back up you may not be here. Because this, this isn't quite as easy as I thought. This isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. This was exciting back in March, wasn't too bad throughout March, Easter Sunday kind of gave us a little bit of a reset, stirred up a little bit of fresh excitement, but this is, I want you to, I wish somehow you would use your imagination right now and I don't care how old you are, as long as you never if you never watch movies, then I'll accept that you don't have an imagination. <laughs> if you ever watch a movie, you have an imagination, otherwise it wouldn't be enjoyable, unless the only thing you ever watch is uh, nonfiction. but I, I I wish you'd hear the voice of Jesus this morning asking you, not with disgust not with sarcasm but with compassion with longing there's there's a bunch many didn't it say many i think that verse 66 says many disciples many have walked away maybe it was kind of a slow drawn out are are you guys are you guys gonna go too? You you see I I think I, I'm 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 sorry. I, I'm sure I try to need to be more entertaining. It's already a challenge enough for you at home, I know, but I I think I think too often than not we get more focused on our side of this. And forget that the other side of this is not some stoic God way off in the distance. In fact, listen to what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 4, for we have not, verse 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted that as we are yet without sin. The Amplified Bible says it this way, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who, was being, who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. I want to read that amplified again, but this time I want to do it without the double negatives and just read it as the affirmative positive statement. For we have high priest. We have a God who is able, he is able to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation. And so somehow today, I pray that you and I would be reminded of the fact that this isn't just about us on our end, sucking it up and trying to make it through this season or make it through life in general. But on the other side of this partnered in relationship with us, there is a father, there is a God who is sitting there wondering, not out of disgust, not out of angst, or or not out of of, of, of frustration, but out of a longing that says, are are you going to just Are you gonna walk away too? Or are you gonna reach the point that this just isn't as easy as you thought it would be? I, I, I love, I, 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 you know, if you don't know it by now, there's a problem. I love this place. I love this sanctuary. I love this church. I, I know this is the, this is not the church. I know it's the church building. Or if this would make some of you feel better, it is the church's building. I get all of that. I, but I, I just got to say, I still, some of the most important events of my life, some of the most important moments of my life have happened in this sanctuary and in other sanctuaries, that old gymatorium. I got married in that gymatorium 28 years ago next week. this is This is a lovely sanctuary. Some of you never were in that gematorium. Had blue carpet on the back wall. It had a temporary stage so it could be taken down and convert the Room into the gym part of it 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 wasn't a beautiful sanctuary but 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 we chose to be married there really for me i can't speak for my wife there was there was no other option for me because that's the place that that's the place where that event had to happen for me if we're not careful? I know, and I'm going to chime in. I've already said it a couple of weeks ago. Forgive me for not taking the time to defend it, but I'm just, I'm so weary of the statement the church has left the building. Most apostolic churches have two services a week now. Most, I've had people sort of brag to me, well, we're done. We get in and out in about an hour and a half. Okay, well, let's go ahead and just go on the, on the long end of that. So let's say maybe your services average two hours, which I think probably it would be the other way, but I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, liberal, right? In that context, not conservative, liberal. So if you have two services, let's just take us as a congregation that normally has three services, and we all know it's not uncommon for our services to go two hours. At most, that's six hours a week. At most, that's six hours a week. And for many, it's four or less. I'm sorry, I don't get it. I don't get it. No, it's not about here. And I'm about to preach the other side of that right now. The problem is if we're not careful, this becomes too institutionalized. It becomes about a church service, which is why some are struggling right now. Because in fact, it has been built for them about church services and coming together two or three times a week. And now that we don't have that, we're finding out, you know what? It might just be as easy to just simply quit. I know. The- This is not probably what you expected. And once again, it's not my preference of what to preach, but I just can't get away from the burden of it the last couple of days. This isn't a textbook. This isn't a textbook. This isn't your college or high school textbook that's got a bunch of information. This is living. This is the Word of God. This is this is what John said. The Word became flesh, and so somehow we we let this be. Well, you know what? If I need some guidance, I'll just reference my resource book. No, no, no. It tell this is the words of life. The Psalmist said, "Your Word have I put in my heart, so that I might not sin against you." The Psalmist Thomas said, thy word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. This is not just a book. This is the representation of the only one true and living God. It's his way of letting us know who he is and what he's about. But if we're not careful, it can be just a book. And if we're not careful, when we do come together, I readily acknowledge it can just simply be an institutionalized, religious gathering and so i've come to ask the question to some people and hopefully more importantly the holy ghost through me would ask the question this morning as others and i'm not just talking about right now in these last couple of days or week but perhaps even in these last couple of days or week but i just kind of feel the holy ghost posing the question to us this morning in these challenging and uncertain times are, 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 are you gonna go also? Again, I don't want to get into some big theological over the deity and the humanity. So, would you just permit me to focus on that humanity of Jesus for a moment? I just kind of think, I just kind of believe that in that moment, it was it was more the humanity of Jesus that was talking. I I don't think it was the deity of Jesus talking. I I think it was his humanity that was looking at those twelve, thinking, you know, you guys have been with me longer than anybody else. You you guys are you the the ones I handpicked. You're, you're the ones that started from me from the very beginning. You're you're the ones that before anybody really knew anything about me. You're the ones that before I did any really public ministry and, and people were beginning to know about me. You're the ones that were there with me from the start. Are I, I, I kind of I kind of imagine, forgive me for using my imagination so much this morning, but I just kind of imagine that as he's saying, are you? going to walk away also that inside his mind, as the words are coming out of his mouth, there was something inside of him that was almost saying, please, please, please don't leave me also. Please don't just get caught up in the crowd that's walking away because they can't deal with what I'm saying anymore. Please, please don't get swayed by those that are weary. Please don't get swayed by those that have just decided, I, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Are you, I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm going to ask you the question, but I hope the answer is, is no. Are you going to walk away also? Already referenced it again. I don't have specific verses to read. If you got a concordance, know how to use that, you can do it yourself. But you can find several times throughout the gospels where the scripture says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. The Greek word for compassion. It's going to sound a little bit odd, but you just got to understand what it's trying to express. The Greek word for compassion means to have the bowels yearn. Figuratively, it means to feel sympathy or pity. So, so that, that, statement to have the bowels yearn, what it's trying to somehow is express is that, that feeling of compassion, that compassion was something that was so deep or, or compassion, true compassion is something that is so deep inside of someone. And so when Jesus was moved with compassion for the multitude, it, it wasn't, you know, the Esther referenced first Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians writes or second 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter read re, i know i know she read a bunch of it or maybe all of it i can't remember i was trying to stay focused on my responsibility of being sensitive to the holy ghost Woo. <laughs> but go read that Read what the things Paul says there. If, if, if I give my body to be burned, if, if, if I give everything I have to the poor, and have not charity. So the, the the context of that or the implication of that is you can do good things, but it not be out of love. So, man, there's people that have been feeding kids and feeding families the last couple of months because of this crisis. But according to what Paul says, just because you do acts of kindness does not mean it's love. And so Jesus was not just simply showing up to the multitude and going, you know, there's some blind people here, there's some crippled people here, there's some people that need miracles here, and so, you know, I'm going to do for them because they need it. No, Jesus, everything he did was driven by compassion. It was driven by this deep sense of love. I know that Thursday night, if you were listening or watching Thursday night, I know I I I emphasize the need, and I know I'm not contradicting that the need for doctrine the foundation of doctrine we we can't get away from doctrine we can't we can't ignore doctrine but there's another side to the coin and that's that we mix that with our relationship because again this is not just some kind of institutionalized thing we do church should not just be what we do church should not be something that it's not where we go but subconsciously becomes something where we go Because on the other side of this, you got our side, my side, your side, and on the other side of that again, there is a God who has feelings of compassion and love and attachment to us. He was moved with compassion. Luke 13 34, here's another one of those, kind of like the verse I read to you in John. Luke 13, 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! Again, I, I want you. To, I know many of you probably know this verse, but I, I want you to I want you to do me a favor right now. Again, as I said with that question, will you go also? Would you would you please make a conscious effort right now to hear this verse, not with the voice of someone who has got who is who is angry, not, not with the voice of someone with disgust, but I want you to hear this voice. I I want you to hear a voice right now. That is a voice that is moved with compassion. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Watch this next part, which kills the prophets. And even in spite of that, I think those first three words are said with compassion and sorrow. You kill the prophets and you stone them that are sent unto you. Now watch this. Here it is. Here it is. How often, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth her brood and under her, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, but you would not. And he couldn't, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill prophets and you stone priests. How dare you? I don't think that was the attitude because I think there was bowels of compassion that were motivating that statement. And there was a cry of sorrow and hurt that came out. Oh, Jerusalem, you just don't know what you're missing. You just don't know what I wanted to do. You just don't know what I wanted to give you. Are, are you going to just walk away? We get. I, there, there's, I've heard. I've heard various interpretations on this, and I would in no way presume that mine is the correct interpretation. And maybe there are a variety of reasons or motivations for it. We get a. We get another glimpse of this side of Jesus. We Get another glimpse of this side of Jesus in the story of Lazarus. When Lazarus has died and he's been buried and he shows up and he, he comes across Martha and he comes across Mary and it's known to be the shortest verse in all of the Bible. It's just two simple words. How amazing is it that the shortest verse in the Bible, two simple words, is an expression of emotion. I've, I've heard in the last couple of months as people have sort of attacked emotion. What we do is based on emotion. We were created as emotional creatures. Two simple words. Two simple words. Jesus wept. I've heard, and, and, and again, I'm not here today presuming that my interpretation is the correct interpretation. At the very least, I am hoping that the variety of them have application but I have heard some that their interpretation of Jesus wept is that he was so hurt or or disappointed by their lack of faith that he wept. I'm just going to tell you that, that may be, I may be wrong, but I just really, I really don't see that. And again, hopefully at the very least, there's a couple of reasons why but I, I don't think his weeping was disappointment over their lack of faith. I don't think his weeping was over the fact that they had got caught up in their in their situation and didn't have confidence that he could bring Lazarus out of the tomb. But I think the weeping that Jesus did in that moment is he put himself into the situation, and there were some people that he was close to, there were some people that he loved dearly that Jesus saw what they were dealing with. He, He saw what they were going through. And so he wept. I'd tell somebody this morning, I would be, I, I, I'm not a gambling man, but if I was a gambling man, I think I'd be willing to put a pretty big bet on the fact that there's at least one, and that's a pretty safe bet there, but there's probably at least a few people that are listening right now, watching right now, that over the last couple of months, for various reasons, you have thought or wondered a few times, God, where are you? I don't understand where you are, God. I we're in this crisis. We're in this chaos. Some of you are dealing with financial challenges now because of all of this. And I would presume I, I got to tell you, I, I others others I heard others say it. I didn't quite say it out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and confess. The thought crossed my mind a couple of weeks ago. I think it's been two weeks again for those of us quarantine folks. Time blurs together when I read the post on Facebook that Brother Eli Hernandez who many others more than us but we had joined in and praying for and and, and my wife said it that last Sunday morning when we prayed for him, there was, there was such a powerful presence of God that not because of our prayers, but just because of what we felt. Uh, we, I think we all believed that Brother Hernandez was coming out of the hospital and that God was going to touch him. And I'll tell you, we prayed another prayer request that day for someone that basically none of us here know. And we got a report later on that God answered that prayer and healed that person so the thought crosses our minds, and I'm sure it's yours, because I know I'm not completely abnormal. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Do you see what's going on in our world? Don't you see what's going on in our home? Don't you, don't you see the, 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 the anxiety in our household? Don't you see the weariness, God, of trying to somehow and I'm not I mean this with sincerity. Don't you, don't you see the challenge we're having God of trying to sit in our homes and connect with you and, and feel your presence and get something out of I, 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 God, where are you, God? I remind you today that that one you're praying to is not some card, hard, cold. Bronze or some other kind of metal statue. It's not some statue that's unmoved. It's not some statue that's unfeeling. It's not some idol. We have a God. We have a God who is touched by the feelings of our infirmity. But I also have a burden to tell somebody today. We've got a God that is touched by our feelings of just blowing Him off. We've got a God that is moved with compassion by our response that says, you know, God, this is, this is just not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected. 30 plus years ago when I preached my first message I would have never dreamed of standing in a sanctuary preaching to just a few worship team members and media personnel but nobody else I, I would have never have dreamed standing in my living room week after week talking to a camera that's not what I got in this for that's not what I imagined Again, I, I've focused the last couple of weeks in some of the challenges that I have been feeling in the midst of this, respecting the fact that you have your challenges as well. I don't think it's a matter of whose side of this is more difficult. I don't think it's a matter of is it harder to sit at home and try to connect or is it harder to sit here without anybody here and try to lead. It doesn't matter both has its challenges I just got to say today God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that in the last few weeks I've allowed myself to be at times more overwhelmed by the challenge more overwhelmed by the circumstances that I don't like, that I wish I could change, that I i was excited a couple of days ago because I thought they were going to change today. I'm I'm sorry today, God, (laughs) that all my focus has been so much on our side, my side, rather than on your part as well, who is a God, That every moment, whether I've been consciously aware of it or not, every moment of this crisis, there's not been one second of the last eight weeks, God, where you were disconnected from us. There's not been one moment in the last eight weeks, God, where you have abandoned us even for a second. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, God, that have had moments where I've wondered where you were. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, God, that have had moments where I felt like I couldn't find you. So I ask you to forgive me for insulting your character. I ask you today to forgive me for insulting your very nature because you said you would never. You would never leave me. Forgive me, God, for being so caught up in my side of the struggle that I forgot that you are a God who is touched. God, I, I relate a bit more to that now than ever before after 20 plus years of parenting. While my kids may not have always known it in their time of crisis and difficulties. As a father, as just a natural human father, I was hurting with them. I was moved for them. Lord, you said in your word, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more does our heavenly Father... God, I want to tell you today... And I'm trusting that there are others that are joining with me right now. I want to answer that question. I want to answer that question today, God. And the answer to the question of if I'm going to go also, I want you to know it's a no. And as Peter said, and perhaps he said it not out of frustration or anger, God, but maybe he said it with the same feelings of love and compassion that you ask the question where where else are we going to go where else are we going to go we don't say that God because you're our last option We don't say that, God, because we're forced in it. We don't say that like we're being forced to marry somebody against our will. We say that, God, there's nowhere else to go because there's no one else like you. There's nowhere else to go because there's no one that can do what you can do. And really, more importantly, there's nowhere else to go because there's no one who loves us like you do. So again, God, I say, and I'm believing that while I can't hear the voices, there are others that are saying right now along with me, we're not not going anywhere, God. We may not like the circumstances. It may not be easy. We may have to keep struggling through against what our wishes and desires are, but God, I believe there's some people right now to join with me to say we're not going anywhere. If this ends this week, we're not going anywhere. If we have to end up going a couple of more months like this, we're not going anywhere. And bottom line, when COVID-19 is a thing of the past and we face the challenges of the future, we tell you today, God, there may be some disciples walk away there may in fact be many disciples that walk away but there's going to be a group God there's going to be a group of people that chime in maybe not with their words but at least with their actions to say as Peter said we got nowhere else to go God I want to add to that not only do we have nowhere else to go I want to tell you today I don't want to go anywhere else because there's nobody like you there's nobody like you there's no one who can compare to you there's no one like you Jesus In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Kharaboshataya <clears throat> no robokosatabai Dikala Mando Robosheya Robokoriatalabah. Kalau mukul robos, atapah? Ikalamundo, sekiar robok, shatalah? Yalamundo robok, shiyal.